0: And so let's just, let's just lift up Julie right now. I think Hank had to take off. You're taking off to go down there, I assume. Oh, well, stay here. Oh, come up here. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, Julie had surgery on her leg on Wednesday. And uh, anyway, there's been some just stupid issues that they're having. It's all a lie of the devil. Yeah. And so uh, we're just believing for all of that to get in line. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they keep talking about a lengthy recovery. We don't believe for lengthy recoveries in Jesus' name. And so he's just standing in for Julie, and they're one. So I'll just lay my hands on him. And so, Father, we just thank you for the victory that belongs to us right through Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, for the greater one lives within us. Father, we ask you to Minister to Julie right now. We, Father, in the realm of the Spirit, there is no distance. And so we declare her healing right now in Jesus' name. That bone, the muscle, the tissue, it all is restored in the name of Jesus. Yes. And, Father, we just, where they say lengthy recovery, we say quick recovery. Yes. We say holy, no, compl- no complications yes. in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, then we, op- we pray for those open doors, for her to have a facility to go to. And so, Lord, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We thank you for Hank. Uh, we pray for your peace in his life. We pray for the family, that you would bring them peace in Jesus' name. Father, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper in the glorious name of Jesus. May you receive... All the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. amen. And Father, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Bless your brother. Landon, come up here. Mom, you can come with him. We believe the same thing here. The devil's a liar. You know, it's already been done. Jesus has already died on the cross. Jesus has already been raised from the dead for your justification. Amen? Amen. And I know that this young man believes that. And so, Father, we just come to, come on, Mom. (laughs) Father, we just thank you for healing power that flows through his body, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And Father, we oftentimes get into the place where we examine self. Have we done enough? Have we prayed enough? Have we declared enough? But Father, it isn't about us, it's about you. And by the stripes of Jesus, Landon has been healed. And so we declare it and we claim it. And we thank you for it, Father. And Father, we declare that no weapon that has been formed against this young man and this household shall prosper in Jesus' name. Because the greater one, the greater one, Jesus, leads and directs them and guides their every path. And so we, Father, we thank you for the manifestation of this healing in Jesus' name. Father, you receive all the glory, all the honor, because you've done it. We've not done it. You've done it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we pray for peace and strength for mom and for the rest of the household. And Father, we declare that they are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so, though they be going through this valley, the valley cannot consume them. We overcome and we walk through victorious on the other side. And so, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Hallelujah. We have a foe, but he's defeated. And he's a jerk. He cheats. He wants to bring destruction. But we won't allow it in Jesus' name. Because we have the victory through Christ Jesus. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is living in the balance. Dr. Cole often talked about how we we, we live a balanced life. And uh, I think sometimes people think we have to we have to choose between whether we're gonna walk a life of grace or whether we're gonna walk a life of faith. But you know what? <clears throat> it isn't an either or. It's a both. But there's balance that's involved as we walk in both. You know, if all we do is, is, is just simply focus on faith. And just simply we, we, we do walk by faith because that's our part. But if that's all that we emphasize, then what happens is we be we become legalistic. You know, I look back in in earlier years of my, my Christian walk and and uh, <clears throat> We, we didn't call it legalism, but it, really there was a lot that was legalistic about it. Because we felt so responsible that we had to uh, follow every one of the steps. You know, So many of the teachings, and there was nothing wrong with it because people were bringing us to that place, showing us how they got to where they got to. But you know, we had uh, 10 steps for this, and five steps for this, and five steps for the other thing. And like I said, it's not like it was bad. But what happens is it, it begins to be an emphasis on self. And so if all a person focuses on is faith, is there's a tendency to become legalistic. But see, then there's the other side of it. There's the other side of it, is if all we emphasize, if all we ever focus upon is grace, is we become lascivious. We begin to uh, think that nothing matters, and, and, and we think we can do whatever. If we, if we focus just totally upon grace, we, 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 we make that step of sovereignty where we say that God's in charge of everything. And, and because God is in charge of everything, everything that happens to us is God's will. So if sickness and disease comes upon our life, that's God's will because, you know, God because of grace, God's sovereign. That's, that's how it is, and so what happens is we don't rise up against that stuff that the enemy is trying to afflict us with. John ten ten says the thief. If I say this, the thief, the thief, has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief has come for that. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it not just simply abundantly, but that you might have it more abundantly. And so there's all sorts of things that come against us. But we live a balanced life. We walk by faith. And faith is believing in and relying upon grace with Jesus has already done for us. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. Grace is what Jesus has already, <clears throat> did you get that? Has already accomplished what he's already done for us. We appropriate it by faith. Our faith is not trying to get God to do something. He's already done it. Faith is receiving what Jesus has already accomplished for us through his death, burial, and his resurrection. That is all through him. He's the one that accomplished it for us. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to First Corinthians. This is what we need to understand is by themselves. Neither faith nor grace can accomplish what God intended to be accomplished in our lives. We're going to look at it a little bit later on, but in in Ephesians it says, for by grace we've been saved by faith. And that isn't just about eternal life going to heaven. That's about everything that Jesus has done for us. We receive it by grace, through faith. And so it requires grace and requires faith on both, uh, on both sides. So in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 10th verse, it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another builds on it. But but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which was laid, which was Christ Jesus. And so for all of it, Jesus is the foundation. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay straw. each one's works will become clear for the day will declare because it will re- be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was if anyone's work which he has built is to an is on its has built on its endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burnt, it will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. It is through fire. And so, what we see here is that which is a faith talks about works. Once again, later on, we're going to see that the work that we work, what we work to enter into, is God's rest, is His. Assurance, his confidence, we know that it's been done. And so the work that it's talking about is not my self effort. The gold, silver, precious metals, precious stones, that's what we do by faith, by receiving what Jesus has already done for us. The wood, hay, stubble, those are the things that we do in our own effort. Now, are we to put effort into serving God? Yes, but it's to enter into the rest. It's to come to that place so that we have such confidence in the completed works of God that nothing can move us off of that spot. We're totally assured that what Jesus has promised to us, He will do it. Because of the Jesus Foundation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But you know, the moment that we begin to put our trust in self, we begin to move from the love of God. The moment that I begin to think that I'm something, I'm in a dangerous place. The moment that I begin to think that I'm the spiritual one that everybody can listen to, I'm in a difficult place, a dangerous place, because I'm beginning to put my confidence in myself rather than in the completed works of Jesus. You know, over the last 36 years that we've been here in Jefferson, 38 years in the ministry, we've seen it where people have started out strong, They have this love of Jesus, this love of God. And then their their, their ministry begins to produce. And what happens is they move their confidence from God to self. They begin to view themselves as something. You know, we are something. But in the spiritual realm, we're nothing without Jesus. We're something. Remember what what the prophet said to Saul, the king Saul? He said, You know, this is Schroeder's paraphrase. He says, You were great when you saw yourself as small. But when you began to see yourself as something, that's when you got into trouble. And you know what? That same truth applies to each one of our lives. As long as we're small in our own eyes. You know, I, I never forget going down to Oral Roberts University uh, when Brother Oral was instrumental in starting charismatic, uh, I, I don't remember the exact name, charismatic ministries of some sort. Anyway, I was down there for, you know, the first large meeting that they had for that. And Oral was real influential in getting that started. And, you know, Oral Roberts, you, know, you hear me? Oral Roberts. You know, and you walk around, ooh, ooh, there's Oral Roberts. You know, you know, but but he got up and, and he had tears running down his face when he was speaking at the first meeting. Because he says, I was I wasn't sure anybody would show up. You're Oral Roberts. Why wouldn't you show up? But see, he was small in his own eyes. We're big. In Jesus. As long as we stay on the foundation of Jesus. But the moment that we move off the foundation of Jesus, we're in a dangerous spot. Jesus was grace, is grace in human form. If you want to see how grace is, you look to Jesus. You want to know the love of God. You look to Jesus because he is the one that we look to. And so the gold, the silver, the precious metals, those are acts of faith. Those are acts where we appropriate by faith what God has already bestowed upon us through grace. We receive it. Hey, stick, and stubble, that's what we do in our own. That's what we do in our own efforts. You know what? <clears throat> Our efforts won't produce much. We need Jesus. And then let's read on. I want to read verse 16 and 17, but I want to read it out of the Amplified Version. It says Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, which means the whole church, are God's temple? You are God's temple, His sanctuary and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and as individuals. And so you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you. Wherever you go, the Holy Ghost goes. You know, I share how, you know, When I was first saved, there were people saying, well, you know, now that you're saved, don't go to movies. Because God didn't go to movies. And so if you go to movies, and the rapture takes place when you're at the movie, you're going to be left behind because God didn't go to movies. Well, I found something out. God goes to movies. How do you know God goes to movies? Because I go to movies. And he goes with me. Because I don't feel him check out when I walk through the door. So God goes to movies. You know why? I'm the temple, the house of God. He lives in me. Now, I always ask this question, though. Do you want to take God to some of the movies you go to? Just a thought. But see, you're his temple. You're his home. And corporately, I appreciate The fact of the corporate anointing. I believe that we were experiencing that here this morning. Where we, as we come together as the the anointed, the, the, the temple of God, corporately. There is a corporate anointing that's available to set people free. To walk in victory. That's for you and me. And so then he goes on and he says, if anyone does... If anyone does uh, hurt to God's temple or corrupts it with false doctrine or destroys it, God will hurt him and bring him to the corruption of death and and destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. You're holy. Everybody say, "I'm I'm I'm holy. The temple of God is holy, sacred to him. And that temple, you, the believing church as individuals and believers that you are. We are the temple of God. He lives on the inside of us. And why is this so important for us to have this understanding of this? Because as the temple of God, as the, 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 the visible body of Christ here on earth, we're here to do his bidding. We're here to do his will. And in order to do that, we have to recognize what Jesus has done for us. We're the body, we're the hands, we're the feet, we're the mouthpiece. But Jesus is the head, he's the authority, he's the one that's in charge. And so we must understand and have a realization of what he's done for us. And that's what grace does. Grace reveals to us everything that Jesus accomplished for you and I. And everything that Jesus accomplished for you and I, you and I as the body of Christ, as the temple of God, we have the right, the privilege, by faith, to appropriate, to receive what he's done for each and every one of us. In Romans, the fifth chapter, you know, I don't know what term to use for this other than, you know, there are certain resets that we find in the Bible, that we find in Scripture, that when Things aren't operating the way that it ought to. There, there's, a, there's a reset. We can, we can examine. And, and many times what we find out is that the lie of the enemy, false doctrine, has arisen. And false doctrine is, is doctrine that's contrary to the word of God, which is the will of God. And, and sometimes, false doctrine can sound so spiritual. And, and, and oftentimes, what'll happen is, we'll get caught up in it, we'll get sucked into it, where we allow what the enemy wants to use to bring death and destruction in our life. False doctrine will tell us, God's trying to teach you something. And so rather than resist it, we accept it that God is bringing this on me to teach me something. Well, let me tell you something. God will never use anything of the enemy as a tool to teach you something. Now, don't misunderstand me. You can go through a hard time and you can learn something going through it. You know, that which the enemy intended for evil. God will take it. And he'll turn it about for good. But to say that God put it on you to teach you something. I don't accept that. Because my God is a good God. My God is a loving father. My God is a God who wants me to overcome every circumstance, every situation that comes against me in life. Now, that doesn't mean that stuff doesn't come against us. I remember there was a time where I thought, well, you know, if I'm really in faith, nothing ever happens to me. You know, but the Bible talks about weapons being formed against us. And it's an interesting thing. I, I, I just made mention of it this morning, but, you know, In the Psalm, it talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Notice, they're going through the valley. I've gone through a few valleys. The thing about a valley is don't stop there. Oftentimes, what we do is we we park in the valley. Where what he wants to do is he wants to take us through the valley. That we come out on the other side victorious. As an overcomer. You know, most of you have heard my stories, So I have to repeat stories that I've already told. But we do have some people here that are first timers. So they haven't heard my stories. Praise the Lord. But you know, I went to Bible school down in Golden, Missouri. And it was misery. But anyway, we made it through it. And uh, difficult times and so forth. They, they called it, uh, they, they said when we were going to school there, you went to two schools. You went to the school of academics and you went to the school of the spirit. And they always identified the school of the spirit as all the difficulties that you had to encounter while you were down there. And so everybody's gone through all kinds of stuff down there because they they weren't operating by faith. They believed in the grace of God. But you know what? If you you just lean on the grace of God, like I said earlier, you, you just accept what comes along because you accept it must be the will of God. But when you begin to read through the Bible and you begin to see what the will of God truly is in our life, By faith that we do, what we do is we begin to appropriate, we begin to receive what Jesus has already accomplished for us through his grace. And so we were getting ready to graduate and uh, the guy that was kind of the president of the class was sitting across from me. There were just a few of us in the class. And and, uh, he says, you know, we need to really do something really special for graduation because... We've gone through so much together. We've gone through so much. And then he paused and he looked at me and he says, I'll accept you, Schroeder. I don't think you went through anything while you were down here. My thir- first thought was, let me tell you. Because we went through stuff. First time in my life I was ever unemployed. Um, we had we were getting a hold of the faith message, and so we had kids getting sick more than we ever had, but we saw them healed. Just, just all kinds of stuff. My first response was, let me tell you. But then I thought, and I thought of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And in the fiery furnace, uh, there was a fourth man that joined them. It was Jesus in manifestation. And they were dancing around in the fire, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, "Uh, "Boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, why don't you all come out here? And so they came out of the fire. The only thing that was burnt was what tied their hands and their feet. The ropes were gone but it says their clothing was not burnt and they came out of the fire and it says, and they didn't even have the stench of smoke. And so my thought was, I went through the fire and I didn't come out stinking. A lot of times we go through the fire and we come out stinking. We don't have to when we put our trust in Jesus. Now we're gonna, it, it said we went through the fire, but we didn't stop in the middle. We don't stop. And still we see the desired will of God manifest in our lives. That's what His grace is. His will being accomplished in each of our lives. I wish this morning... I could stand up here before you and say to each and every one of you, you will never have another trial in your life but I'd be lying to you because there's an adversary. It's the devil. And he's out to steal, he's out to kill, and he's out to destroy. Reminded of Brother Hagen after one of his meetings, Individual came up to him and says, Brother Hagan, I'd like you to pray for me. And he says, I'll pray for you. What do you want me to pray? He says, I want you to pray that the devil won't bother me anymore. And he says, Oh, you want me to pray that you die? And he says, I don't want to die. And he says, That's the only way the devil ain't going to bother you anymore. He's a defeated foe. And it's our responsibility to remind him. When sickness, lack, Bondage tries to manifest in our lives. We remind him, you're defeated because by the stripes of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been set free. I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Why? Because Jesus became a curse for me. For this this is written, cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile. I qualify. I'm a Gentile. The blessings of Abraham come upon us. You're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Now some of you, that feels uncomfortable. The most comfortable thing that you ought to sense in your life is when you speak out and you say, you know what? I'm blessed. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I feel so blessed. Life, life just isn't fair. I'm so blessed. Because I know others can't be as blessed as I am. But you know what? It's available to them. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on my Savior. But he's, he's so wonderful. And see, in Him, there is no lack. And so that means... There's more than enough. There's plenty for each and every one of us to be blessed beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. So have you found Romans yet, Romans 5, 2. And it says, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. How do we have access to the grace? By faith. What's grace? Grace is what Jesus did for you and I. Faith is our part. Faith is how we appropriate it in our lives. 2 Peter one three. Well, I, I, I just love this verse. And so, I love it so much, we're going to start in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God. Just think about that. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you and I through the knowledge of God. That's why our Bibles are so important. That's why If you don't get anything else done in a day, get a passage read. See, that's all I ask of you. Read a passage. Now, hopefully, you read more than that. But at the very least, read a passage. Why? Because it can dominate your thoughts that day. And because you read that passage, what happens is you increase... In the knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. In the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things. This is why we want to increase in knowledge. So that we can appropriate the grace. Because this is what the grace produces in our lives as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. His divine power who has given to us all things. You know, you can study all and you find out that all means all. All things that pertain to Zoe, life, and godliness. Zoe is the very life of God. And that's what's in each and every one of us, the Zoe life of God. You are permeated with the Zoe life of God. But if we don't recognize it, every cell in your body is permeated by the life of God. You know, there was an old preacher back the turn of the century, John G. Lake, he was known as the Apostle to Africa. And he was in Africa during the time of the Bambonic Plague. And people were, were, were dying of the plague all over the place. And, and uh, John G. Lake, he would go out and he would help with the sick people and then he'd help gather those that were dying to bat- bury them and so forth. And, and eventually, uh, from England, a hospital ship got down there and they, they began to vaccinate the people and so forth. And, and uh, <clears throat> they wanted to vaccinate John G. Lake. And he says, no, I don't need that. And they said, what do you mean you don't need that? And he says, well, I don't, I don't need that. I, I have the life of God. And they said, well, it is kind of, you know, you've been working with all these people. Why didn't, why didn't you get sick? And he says, because I have the life of God. It permeates my entire being. And he says, you know, they, they rolled their eyes back, I'm sure, yeah, right, you know, one of these fanatics. And he says, no, I'll tell you what. He says, when somebody dies, you take the saliva, and you'll find that the germs are still living. And I'll put my hand under a microscope, and you place them on my hand, And they will die the moment that they touch my flesh because my cells, my body, is permeated with the life of God. And that's exactly what happened. But you know what? You and I, we don't see ourselves that way. We ought to. We ought to get up in the morning and we ought to look in that mirror and we ought to say, You looking back at me, you are permeated with the very life of God, with the Zoe life of God. And no disease, no sickness of any form, of any kind can manifest in my body because of the life of God. But see, we don't, and here's what it says. I I didn't say it. Don't get mad at me. He said it. He said, by this have been given to you exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, You may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Backing up just a little bit. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to you and me through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has must say has. has. Now, I'm from Minnesota, but even in Minnesota, has means past tense. And so, who has blessed us with a, quite a few spiritual blessings, with some, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know what that means? When you find out, Through the Scripture, what Jesus has provided for you, it belongs to you. We appropriate it. We receive it by faith. By saying, yes, Lord, it's mine because of what you did for me. Faith and grace, what I've been trying to share with you, is connected. You cannot have one without the other. If you try to walk in faith without recognizing grace it's not going to work. If you try depending on grace without recognizing faith that you need to appropriate it for you, it's not going to work. Listen to this. Romans 4.16, and i want to read it out of the Amplified again. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who, who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. How do we receive it? By faith. We receive what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. It's his power that's released in each of our lives. In Ephesians 2, 5 and 8, I read part of it or quoted part of it earlier. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Now this is what's so important. We can't earn it, but we need to believe for it. We need to recognize what Jesus has truly done for us, and when when that happens, it begins to change our confession begins to change the way that we speak. Back in Second Kings 4 we have the account of the Shemanite woman and how the prophet had promised her a son and and she received a son and the son grew and is out in the field one day with her his father and he just became very ill. And so the father said to one of the servants, take him into his mother. Typical father. So he took him into the mother and when they got there, she, he died. And so she said to the servant, go get me a, me a donkey and we're going we're gonna to go to the prophet. And so you know, the husband knew that this wasn't uh, uh, the Sabbath, wasn't a holy day. Why, why was she going to see the prophet in this particular day? And so he says, you know, what, what, what do you need the donkey today for? You know, why do you need the keys today? And she says, all's well, took off and went to the prophet. When the prophet sent the servant out, to see what the woman wanted. She says, all is well. The son's dead. And so the prophet knew something was up. He went and he raised the child up. But notice her confession. Notice what she said. And I have a feeling she hadn't got a lot of teaching on confession. She said, all is well. Remember the man that came to Jesus whose daughter was, was ill? They were interrupted because of the woman with the issue of blood. And after he'd taken care of that, they were on their way back. And one of the servants came and said, Don't bother the master any longer. Your daughter is is dead. Jesus overheard what the servant said, and he said to the man, He said, Only believe. Say nothing, only believe. Remember years back, first time I ever heard the terminology, Jerry Seville was working for Kenneth Copeland. He was complaining about his financial condition. One day he started complaining to Kenneth Copeland about how he just didn't have enough. And Copeland said to him, he says, You know, Jerry, you really need to start practicing the vocabulary of silence. And he says, Well, what's that? And he says, You need to learn to keep your big mouth shut. Well, Jerry didn't like that. He went to the dumpster, threw out all the tapes and books that he had at Copeland, said, I don't have to put up with this stuff. A little while later, he got quiet, and Holy Ghost started speaking to him, and he says, Holy Ghost says to Jerry, he says, you know, Jerry, you really need to start practicing the vocabulary of silence. Jerry says, you've been talking to Copeland. He says, no, Copeland's been listening to me. We need to start listening. So they went back and the man said nothing. And what did Jesus do? He walked in, took the little girl by the hand and said, rise up. And she rose up. We need to speak in line with what God says. Not with our feelings, not with our emotions, not with what's taking place around us. Because I don't know if you've noticed it yet. We live in a very negative world. We live in a very negative society. If that's what we listen to, that's what's going to come out of our mouth. It's going to be negativity. It's going to be hopelessness. It's going to be defeat. It's going to be, woe is me, woe is me. Rather than, thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can trust you in every situation. When we hit the bottom rung, we can still be thanking Jesus. Because we know that in him, there is no defeat. We may lose a battle here or there. It may appear that we do. But we don't lose the war. We win the war. In the end, we always win. And that's why we're to keep our eyes. We're to lift up our eyes. Rather than looking down. Because when we look down, we see defeat. We see hopelessness. We see trials. We see tests. We see all the stuff. But he says, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Ah, you know, pastor, you just got to be careful because, you know, people can be looking up and they'll be so heavenly minded. There'll be no earthly good. I ain't found that person yet. So keep looking up, you're safe. Amen. We need to be looking at what Jesus has done for us not what's going on in the, around us in this world. We're not trying to get something from God. We're responding to what he's already done. Our prayer life, the primary ingredient in our prayer life ought to be thanksgiving. It ought to be a heart of thanksgiving thanking him for what he's done, because it's already done. And so when we're praying, we're not not trying to move him, because God's unmovable. Jesus was the fulfillment of the will of God here on earth. Everything that Jesus did as he walked upon the earth was fulfilling the will of the Father. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of Father God. And so he sent us the Holy Spirit, his representative, to live within us. To do what? To carry out the will of the Father. Our primary purpose in being here is not to just live a happy life. Our primary purpose in being here is to fulfill the will of the Father. And you know what? Part of that is that we live a fulfilled, satisfied life. But we're to be His hands, we're to be His feet, we're to be His mouthpiece. We're to speak out on His behalf so that this world that we live in can see what a good God we serve. Philemon 1.6, it says, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Our life is to be an acknowledgement of every good thing that Jesus has done Within us, You know, I, I found when, when the day doesn't seem to be going very well, if I begin to focus upon the completed works of Jesus, and I begin to acknowledge how wonderful my Savior is. You know, <clears throat> there may be days it seems like you can't find very much to rejoice about. But let me tell you something. As a born-again believer, there is always something that you can rejoice in. You can rejoice in the fact that you have a home in heaven, not in hell. (laughs) That you've been born again. That you are a child of God. And you know, it's an interesting thing. Even, Even little things, which is not a little thing, by the way. But even that, when you begin to focus upon that, all the big things seem to begin to shrink. Why? Because we begin to get it back into perspective. Everything that we see around us, every element, our life itself, is temporal. Because if Jesus tarries, each and every one of us, we're going to return to dirt. But in Christ Jesus... Every one of us, if we've received him as Lord and Savior, we have a hope, and it's eternal. There is nothing temporal about it. We have an eternal home in heaven through Christ Jesus our Lord that we can rely upon, that we can depend upon. Hebrews ten thirty six, For you have been, for you have need of endurance, So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the prize, endurance, patience, consistency. We have a need of endurance. Why? Because we don't always see the immediate manifestation of it. Sometimes it takes a while. But you know what? We have the assurance that what he's promised, he's going to perform it we're going to see it. Just the just, and that's you and I, the just are those who are declared righteous, not those that did something to become righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through faith. And because of our faith, We live a righteous life producing fruits of righteousness. But my fruits, my acts of righteousness did not make me righteous. I was made righteous by faith. By faith in the completed works of Jesus. And this has to be an important factor. Because we see it over and over again in the scriptures. Habakkuk. Two four, but the just shall live by faith. Romans ten seventeen, the just shall live by faith. Galatians three or uh, yeah Galatians three eleven. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Hebrews ten thirty eight. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You know what? Knowing that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're to be bold, you're to be confident. It's not spiritually spiritual humility for you to draw back going, you know, I'm just no good, I'm just not worthy. That doesn't please God. Sometimes people think it sounds so, oh, they're just so humble. No, they're not. That's the epitome of Arrogance. Humility is agreeing with God. And God says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Pride says, well, I can't possibly be that because I'm no good. Well, you're looking at self, you proud old thing. You stop looking at you. Start looking at Jesus and what he's done for you. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Think about that. Because we are faith people who rely upon and trust in the grace of God, the accomplished works of Jesus, and we appropriate those things by faith. We receive what Jesus has done for us. It pleases him. It pleases him when we stand in faith. It pleases him when we're blessed. It pleases him when we demonstrate his goodness to those around us. And without faith says it's impossible. Not difficult. It's impossible. So we put our trust in Him. Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is your and my confession. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. We are fake folk because of what Jesus has done for us. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, it says, Therefore do not cast aside your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So what is the doing of the will of God? Standing in faith. Standing in faith. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to steal your faith. He wants you to keep from standing upon the word of God. He wants to discourage you so that you give up. His number one tool against you and I is discouragement. Because discouragement will lead to hopelessness. And hopelessness leads you at a place where there's no way out. But you see, Jesus, because we've got our eyes off of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. How do you get out of hopelessness? Fix your eyes on Jesus. How do you get out of depression? Fix your eyes on Jesus. How do you get to a place where you know absolutely nothing is impossible because of the completed works of Jesus? Fix your eyes on Him. Hebrews 4.1 For indeed the Gospels preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You know what the problem with self-help is, you think you've got to do it. And so you no longer rely upon Him. You no longer depend upon Him. You begin to fix your eyes on self. Just think about that. Self-help. Fix your eyes on self. Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to do anything to better ourselves or, or any of those things. It's just that when that replaces Jesus... We're in a very dangerous place. Verse 11, Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Really what this is talking about was the Jews under the law. How they weren't able to receive because they trusted in self. self Self-effort. Rather than putting their trust... Completely in Jesus. And he warns us, enter the rest. The rest is not an inactive thing. It's actively putting our trust in Jesus. Why do we have to actively put our trust in Jesus? Because everything around us tries to take it away from us. Tries to get us to trust this formula or that formula or this person or that person. Where we put our trust in Jesus. James 2 says that faith without works is dead. I prefer the New American Standard. It says faith without corresponding action is dead. You know what? If I believe something, I act accordingly. One of the things that first things that happens when I believe something, it sets my mouth in motion. Now, I know it's true, you know, because when something happens, we, we just can't wait because we believe it happened because we know it happened because I was there. What do we want to do? We want to blab it to everybody. Why? Because we believe and know it happened. It, it, uh, it energizes our mouth. But you know what? Same thing ought to happen with the Word of God. If we believe it, it ought to energize us to do something, live and walk by faith. Faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad for the promises of God? Aren't you glad that we don't have to be in the same mood as everybody else? That we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And when we begin to walk in that joy and allow it to manifest in our life, it translates into something else. We get happy. There's nothing wrong with being happy. It's just if your goal is happiness, you're probably never going to find it. Because you're going to look in all the wrong places. But when your goal is to serve Jesus and to love God, and you experience that peace, what happens is our sense realm gets affected. And we don't simply enjoy the peace of God. We have happiness. And our life is fulfilled. And it's because of Jesus. Faith and grace. They work hand in hand with one another. Grace is God's part. Grace is what Jesus accomplished for each and every one of us. And the Word of God reveals those promises to you and I. Faith Is how we appropriate it. How we receive it. How we say, that belongs to me. Because I'm in Jesus. Victorious. Christians. That's who we are. Because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I hadn't preached for a week. And so, had to get my fix. So... I don't know how to quit, so we'll just quit. Father, we just thank you for your word and that it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword that divides asunder that which is soul from that which is spirit. And Father, that it's your will that we walk in victory, the fullness of what you've made available to us through Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you today for these, your precious ones. Father, I just speak a blessing over them. I pray that that you would enlighten their minds. Father, that they might see truth as never before. That we might experience the fullness of your blessings in every area of our life, spirit, soul, body, emotionally, physically, socially every area of our lives, Father. And Father, we'll purpose to be faithful and true and to give you all the glory and all the honor because you're deserving of it. And Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. And give somebody a hug and let it you know them. let them know you love them.